G'day and welcome to the Making It With Miles podcast. My name is Miles Clark and on this uh, podcast what we do is try to educate everyone and anyone about building constructions, renovations, uh, the real estate industry through the lens of a building inspector. Now our audience is anyone. It's homeowners, it's home buyers, it's home sellers, it's real estate agents, it's anyone in that sort of realm and they want a bit of a bit of an idea of what um, we know and some important things that can help them benefit their homes and all their home they're buying and all those types of things. Now, we've got two formats to the podcast. We've got The Shed. The Shed is where we discuss all these things related to building construction, the real estate industry through um, the lens of a building inspector. And we have another format called The Journey. The Journey is something we double in every now and then. It's just a personal development type of thing, which I sort of really enjoy. So you know what? You have to deal with every now and then. So too bad. This episode is uh, The Shed, and we'll be discussing all things about variations in uh, major domestic building contracts. All right. So we're going to help you navigate through what they're all about, how they operate, uh, the uh, processes in place of how, they, how they're put in place, how they're managed, how they the costing process everything you need to know about variations in contracts because it's a big issue that does come up a fair bit in um, disputes more or less with builders and their clients or clients with their builders so we will be getting straight into it and i hope you enjoy now variations for me i don't think i've had any construction project that has not had at least one variation a variation is what we define as a variation to the plans and specifications of the contract itself. So any type of change to the scope of works in, in which you are um, getting done for you or you're doing for somebody else. Now, it's very important that variations are tracked accordingly, they're priced accordingly, and it's you need to be as transparent as possible to ensure that everyone uh, is happy with, with the outcome. All right. Variations are important. We don't just go around doing random um, acts of kindness every now and then we might, but more or less we're a business. We're here to make money. If there's a change, that's what it is. And it also goes the other way. If there's a credit, say you change it and it's cheaper, you want to make sure that you're getting a fair price back um, in comparison to what was allowed for on the job. So simply put, the definition of a variation is the party's wishes to vary the plans or specifications, and it goes both ways. The builder can do vari- can ask and request for variations as much as the client can as well. Um, there's different types of pro, there's different types of things that need to be undertaken, which we'll get through um, if it's a client side or a builder side variation. Um, but what we're going to do is we will discuss. The legalities behind it all, we'll go through the contract and we'll talk about the actual breakdown of variations and then we'll put some, and then I'll just give some advice based on best strategies associated with contra- with your contracts and variations and making sure that it's all written down as clear as mud and everyone understands exactly what's going to happen uh, because variations is what leads to a lot of disputes um, in construction because everyone thinks they're getting something and then all of a sudden their expectations are blown out of the water and then they're, um, yeah, little Miss Grumpy Pants. And that goes both ways. Now, some common examples of what a variation would look like, it could be changing the type of door that you're going to install, maybe you want to move some walls around, it's just a change to what's intended to go, to be put forth into the actual contract itself. Now, what we'll discuss is the steps that need to be taken, and I'm going to pull this just directly from a contract, the requirements needed for um, 
variations to occur. So in this this scenario, this example, we'll be giving a builder's perspective. So uh, if the builder wishes to vary the plans or the specifications, then the builder will give the owner written notice. Okay, that needs to be very clear. It's got to be written down. You can't just say you're going to do something and then everything hopes for the best because the issue you're going to have, if it's nothing's written down, one, it doesn't actually, it's not binding. There's no contract in place. So that can lead to some uh, major issues if it's not done correctly. So things need to be done is they need to describe the variation. They need to state why the builder wishes to make the variation, state the effect the variation will have on the works, State whether or not the amendment to any permit will be required. So you might need to doing something externally, and it might need to, it might actually impact the planning permit itself. Um, that's very important. It needs to be followed through with because there's going to be extra costs associated with that as well. Uh, gives a reasonable estimate estimate of the delay um, in reaching completion. The variation is likely to cause. So with every variation, it's gonna, if it's going to take longer to do it that is also formed part of the variation. It's also it's not just it's gonna cost this much money, it's gonna be it's gonna cost this much money and this much time. And that time is what gets put onto the back of the contract and pushes that completion date out further. Um, similar to an extension of time, which we can discuss further. Uh, states the cost of the variation and states whether the effect of the costs on the contract price. So what that means is how much is it going to cost? And if that will affect the contract price. So it might say it might be a 10 grand variation, but that 10 grand might have already been allowed for within the contract. So there is no contract. It's a, it's a zero sum game and that's all it is. So after the notice is given to the client, the builder cannot move forward until that actual form is signed and approved by the client. And that means everyone's happy and everyone can move forward. Okay, so now we're going to be looking at variations from the client. So you're a client, you want to make some changes. Um, this is the way about you. This is the way in which you go about it. It all needs to be in writing. All right. So I'm going to just literally read it from the contract, so it's clear as day. Let's do exactly how you do it. If the owner wishes to vary the plans or specifications then the owner will give to the builder a written notice describing the variation requested. Now, if the builder reasonably believes that the variation requested requested in writing by the owner, it will not amend the permit, it will not delay the job, and it will not add more than 2% to the original contract, then the builder, although not obliged to, may at his discretion carry out the variation. So if it's not a large variation, the owner, just that written notice from the owner is enough for the builder to say, right, it's not going to change the permit. It's not going to push the completion job completion back and it's not going to cost more than 2% of the contract price. We can all proceed, crack on. Now, I highly recommend if you are a builder in that situation that you do not do that. I still think that having a very clear variation strategy in place that's all written, all signed, all approved, there's the pricing is approved because 2% of a construction, like 2% can still be a massive variation. A few hundred bucks would be approved. Now, if the builder reasonably believes that an amendment to any permit will be necessary or there will be a delay in reaching the completion or the variation will be over 2% of the um, original contract price, then upon receipt of the written variation notice from the owner, the builder will give to the owner a written notice that either states that the builder refuses um, or is unable to carry out the variation and a reason for that inability or refusal. So not all builders have to do what you say. They can knock it back. 
and they just maybe they just don't want to do it, and that's completely fair and reasonable. Or states that the builder will carry out the variation, and if so, the builder will in notice. They'll state the effect of the variation. Uh, will have on the works as a whole being carried out under the contract, state whether or not an amendment to the permit will be required, give a reasonable estimate of the delay in reaching completion, state the cost of the variation and state the effect of the cost on the contract price. So similar situation for if the builder was to do a variation. Um, exactly the same same scenario, okay? So they it's a, a very written and clear process that has to be agreed upon by all parties before proceeding. Now, the next part we'll be discussing is about variation management. One of the most important parts of variations in, uh, uh, in uh, major building contracts is the idea that everyone knows exactly what's happening, how much it's going to cost, and it's documented clearly so there's no ifs or buts, there's no complaints, there's no grey areas, there's no disputes, which is what we want to mitigate as best as practicable. Now... That is the reason for variation management. You want to ensure that there is a clear register, okay? So as you're going through the process of putting in claims, you know, you're claiming some of that variation maybe halfway through the job and then the final payment, it's very clear and understandable as to what um, the cost implications are and also the time component associated with it. So you want your contract to be malleable in a way that it's, it's used. It's not just written up put to the side and forgotten about. As the builder, as the client, you need to understand that that contract is binding. It is the Bible to what you're building, okay? And from that, any changes to that, any changes to that contract needs to be thoroughly written down and ensured everyone is uh, on the same page. One of the best ways to do this is to have a variation register. So a variation register might just be an Excel spreadsheet and on each sheet of the Excel spreadsheet, you'll have a bit of a pro forma. It has all the things required, you know, if it's going to add delays to the job, the cost implications, very clear description of what it's all about. There's a variation number, description of what the variation is all about. Um, and on top of that, it needs to have um, areas obviously to sign by the client and signed off by the builder and a date associated with it. Bang, it's a form you print out. And then that goes into a register. The register itself simply has the headings, the price associated with it, and then also when you're claiming it or if it's already been claimed. So you can track the costings associated with it. What this would look like in um, when you're doing your, when you're getting your um, progress payments through, as the client, what you should see, you'll see your stage payments, which might be your frame stage or your lockup stage or whatever it is, whatever's in the contract. Um, and you'll see your big old sum next to that. And then ideally what you should have under that is a line by line um, of all the variations if there's a claim associated with it. And then you should have a document associated a documented with that which has all the signed documentation of the variations, the register of the variations, the progress of the variations uh, because that's very important to assimilate that with the costs that have already been charged to the client. You can't charge a client 100% of a variation, I don't believe, if you've only done 1% of the job. Um, so that's something to be very mindful of. A variation register is fucking so critical to ensure that it's done right because past experience, every job I've ever had any issues or disputes on or complaints, it's always down to that variation. Now, what let's now we can discuss now what we'll discuss is ways in which to avoid and minimizing variations. A variation is a change to the contract. 
best thing to do is at the start of the contract is to get it right. And what I mean by that is you want to get the scope of works of the job so fucking detailed and nailed in as best as you possibly can to avoid these variations. Now, I understand there's a lot of clients that do struggle to visualize what things look like. Um, they're not too sure if the wall wants to be there or that's the type of tool that they want. Now, that's completely fair and reasonable and it's usually clients like this are the ones that do have many variations because until they see it and they don't like it and that's when it changes, okay? Or that's that's usually the circumstances that I've come across numerous times. Now, the way I got around this was to create a separate document which I stole from uh, a builder that I used to work for who are bloody legends. It's called a detailed tender qualification document. What it is, it's you got the contract and then you got the Bible. The Bible is pretty much what your job's all about. Now, we get given architectural plans and drawings and they just got fucking lines on them and we're meant to say that's a benchtop. Now, we don't know if it's got if it's a 60 mil benchtop or rolled edges or it's got a bloody waterfall finish. We don't know any of these things unless it's heavily detailed in the job. The tender qualification document is something that um, was fantastic. You could go room by room. You could say exactly what you're doing, what you're not doing, what's been allowed for, and it pretty much just paints a picture, a big old story of exactly what the scope of works is all about and what the job's all about. You go through that with the client at the start of the contract, when you sign in the contract, line by line, you make it so clear to them exactly what you're allowing and exactly what you're not allowing. So when any variational changes comes up, it's pretty clear as to what you're doing and not. Now, in some circumstances, people just sign onto a contract that's just a set of plans with a basic specification and then they get their heart broken because they're like, oh, I want this tile. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, we allowed for this tile. Or I would like this instead of that. And then what happens is they thought they were getting something else and their expectations are absolutely destroyed. And that's what leads to disputes and problems like that. So to mitigate variations, you ideally just need a very detailed scope of works and then you execute. And one thing I want to add to that too is builders don't want variations. Like we don't fucking want this shit. We don't want to do extra work. We don't want to do extra paperwork especially because it involves a lot of paperwork and quoting and pricing. Like we could spend three, four hours just to give you the variation for you to reject it because it's too much. So we just want to avoid that. We just want to get given a very clear job you're happy with the price, we're happy with the price, we're going to build it as quickly as possible so we can make as much money as possible, you'll get it done quickly, everyone's happy. So as a client, the best thing you can do, the clearer you are, the more you understand of what you want and you have that on paper and it's all agreed upon, um, that will mitigate so many variations that it's just not funny. And if you do work well with your builder and you don't have these disputes and complaints and all these little bits and bits of bullshit and all sort of stuff, the variation process will be much easier as well because they can just, they'll just push through as much as possible. So what I'll share with you now is a couple of examples, um, maybe one or two of what a variation looks like sort of in real time. So what I mean by that is I had a job in Woodend and the client wanted, um, this, they wanted the ceilings changed. So they wanted high ceilings. What that involved for me is, all right, they, I told them to send me an email of exactly what they want from that, I got the information I needed. I came up with a design of I knew what could work. I had a conversation with the trust company as to what we could do, how that would look. I got a cost associated with that. Now, that was 
step one, all right? Just lifting the ceiling and making it, instead of just having a flat ceiling, it was more of a cathedral ceiling. There's more cost implications associated with it. There's additional plasterboard. There's additional work for the plasterer. There's different lighting. We needed gimbal lights instead of just normal down lights. Um, there was access equipment required to do part of the scope of work. So there was additional insulation required. It changed the heating and cooling um, dimensions and how that actually was going to operate in that area. So there was a lot of things associated with it just to lift up the ceiling to create a bit of a cathedral effect. Now, it took like a week and a bit to get that variation together. I got the price together, told them the delays and gave them the budget and said it's going to be, I'm not too sure, let's say it was an extra $5,000, all right? Now, the client there and then can just go, nah, don't want to, we'll just keep to the normal, fine. For us as a builder, it's a complete waste of time and we would rather have done other things instead, but we're here to service our client and ensure they get, they get what they want. So they approved it. Now, when they approved it, it was just via like a text message. Um, what I had to do after that is I printed out that form, which part, which which forms part of my variation uh, variation schedule, and printed that out. They signed it. I signed it. We know what the money's where it's at. We're all happy. Bang, that's approved. It sits in that spreadsheet, which is a live document. Um, as well as that, there's be added to the schedule as well. And then on the next um, progress payment is when they had to make the payment or part, it was actually part payment for that variation. And then when I finished the job offers, like the other 50%, okay, to help, help top it all up. So that's what it actually looks like. Okay. That's what it should look like. That's how it should be. It should never be just a, oh, how much for the ceiling to be lifted? And I'm like, oh, maybe eight grand and then hope to get paid eight grand and for them to hope to accept it and like it. So you need to be very clear with managing this and ensuring that's done correctly. Um, with regards to builders variations, now us as builders, we like to make our lives much easier. So if we can vary the job in a way that probably won't impact the client, we will do that 100%. And most of the time, clients usually get a little bit of a credit out of it as well. So one thing that you'll find builders may do, um, it usually happens at the start of the job when we are just after demo, say it's a renovation or an extension, maybe not a new build, but a renovation or extension. When we strip everything back, after that, we sort of know where, all, then we can get a good understanding where our structural members are going to go. We know where our footing is going to go. We, like we've got a much better idea because the engineers never got an opportunity to see what it looked like with the walls stripped back. So they've got a design in place. And usually that design is pretty, pretty well right. But there's times in which we look at things like, you know what? I think I could do this, this, and this, and this. We have a conversation with the engineer. We come up with an alternative design. We save a heap of money on maybe structural steel or some timber members, and we just sort of just change things around. It doesn't change anything to do with how the job actually looks. It's just how we're getting to rebuilding that initial structure. So that's that's probably the best example I would have for a builder's variation. Um, and, yeah, again, you need to be very clear on that and obviously give back a credit to the client where the credit is due um, and make sure that that is clear and transparent for the client so everyone's all on the same page so that very detailed in-depth conversation about variations is one of the most important parts of major domestic building contracts and getting it right if you're going to have a dispute it's going to be through this process so making sure this is uh, done correctly is probably 
one of the most important things I tell all friends going through this process and I always raise it with my clients. Talking to them about it every step along the way, you need to make sure that their money is getting spent wisely. It's not getting wasted. Even people that have a, that are super cashed up and variations are just nothing to them, you still want it in writing as the builder so you are getting paid for what you're doing as well, which is also very important. So the key take, takeaways from this from a for, for both builders and clients, the first things first is to have a very clear scope of works a very clear understanding of exactly what you're doing and what you're not doing to help mitigate variations in the job. Now, if you're having variations and it's it's just going to happen anyway, you want it to be clearly broken down. You want to have a clear understanding of the extra costs associated with it. And as well as that, it needs to be well-managed. It needs to be a form that is signed and approved by both parties to move forward and accept the variation. Payments are made. Everything's happy. So make sure if you're in this situation that your builder's doing it, you understand what's happening, you're not left in the lurch, there's no unknowns, it's okay to vary a contract, it's okay to have changes, it's okay to not know what you want, that's all good. As long as the things are being done correctly and you're paying accordingly, then it's completely fair and reasonable and everyone will uh, walk away happy and it will be a positive job, not one where everyone's cracking the sads and everyone wants to leave. So thank you for listening to the Making with Miles podcast. I hope this uh, found some value to anyone in the building game at the moment that's uh, either a client or a builder themselves or even a chippy that's working their way up. If you uh, do us a favor, rate the uh, podcast if you found any value at all. If not, um, you can follow us on social media, on Instagram, stuff like that. We do some other interesting things to help people uh, in different sort of formats learn about building construction. And um, I will see you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers.